Hey everyone, we're here with Grant Kramer from Killer Clowns from Outer Space. What's up guys, I'm Ed Gage, happy to be back on the show, and yeah, I watched this movie recently for the first time in a while and I forgot how great it is. Yes. <laughs> it's one of my absolute favorite movies from my childhood and to this day. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first time you watched it? Uh, I want it, early 2000s, it's gotta be. This is one of the early ones for me. I think... Oh, yeah. Now that I mentioned it, my brother showed it to me in, like, 97, 98, when I was, like, a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> it was, like, on a public TV, like, a public TV channel. It might have been AMC. I wouldn't be surprised if it was that. But, yeah. I don't know. If you ask me, this is one of the most inspiring movies ever for young filmmakers, just because of the fact that it was made on such a low budget and it turned into the cult status, you know, film that it is today. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's one of the main movies that inspired me to do what I do. So, Sweet. thank you for that. Sweet. Yeah. Um, okay. So basically, how have you been during the co- the COVID nineteen scare? Pretty good, you know. It's uh, you know, my wife is like one of the you know. I mean, I, if if you were going to look at the spectrum in terms of uh, you know, not worrying about it at all and being incredibly paranoid, she's on the paranoid spectrum. So. We most, I mostly just kind of hung at home. We haven't really gone out to any social events and, uh, you know, other than finding kind of a spot at the beach where there's not many people. And, um, but for the most part, everything is good. Uh, you know, we got a five-year-old and so, you know, we kind of hang around, you know, family time most of the time anyways. And, yeah, for sure. And, uh, I've, it's been kind of a trip because, um, I'm, I've been posting a movie that I've produced Mm-hmm. Uh, a kind of a trippy, um, kind of a trippy uh, cult movie, hopeful called Willie's Wonderland, and um, but so I've been having to kind of learn how to do that with, uh, you know, completely remotely with you know dealing with everybody from like editors to music to VFX to everything like you know with nobody being able to be in the same room together. So that's kind of a trip. Yeah. Yeah. He was just talking about Willie's Wonderland. Yeah, I looked it up and I saw that, you know, you're working alongside Nicolas Cage. That's pretty awesome. So uh, what can you tell us about it? Um, well, the basic premise, which I'm sure you've been able to kind of see online, is, uh, is uh, you know, there's, there's a kids' entertainment center with, with uh, a bunch of animatronics, like, you know, kind of second-level animatronics that... Um, uh, have been possessed by the souls of a bunch of kind of like cannibalistic kid killers. So, and... Uh, <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> I like it already. <laughs> so Nicolas Cage basically plays this, this uh, you know, loner that is cruising through town and basically you know, has to, after they kind of pop his tires and stuff like that, he has to spend the night at Willie's Wonderland and supposedly clean the place up. So his name in the movie is The Janitor, and he's just this enigmatic <laughs> loner um, that you never really know that much about other than small indications um, that, uh, but the twist on the movie is that, you know, they've been, they they've been capturing people for for years um and uh, in order to kind of keep the creatures at bay and uh basically kind of like feeding them to the to the creatures 
And um, in this case, they kind of, so to speak, picked the wrong guy. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. Is he super over the top like he always is? <laughs> you know, I'll tell you something. You know, he, he had super over the top moments. I love that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, he's not really super over the top anywhere that we actually use those those moments and we were going to include them all in the movie someplace. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. Like, we know Nicolas Cage fans want to see over the top moments. But the amazing yes. thing about Nick is that um, he approaches playing a character like this in a movie like this with, you know, kind of the same complete and total commitment that he would if he was playing, you know, uh, leaving Las Vegas or something. Do you know what I mean? Um, oh, like yeah, he doesn't sure. mail in a moment ever. You know, he shows up so completely prepared every single day and he knows exactly what he's doing. And it's, it's um, the, the kind of one of the conceits of the movie is that Nick doesn't really uh, say anything in the movie. You know what I mean? He's, uh, mm-hmm. he's this kind of silent loner that does everything with with his eyes and facial expressions and, uh, just his inner life, and but he brings it every single day. He knows exactly what what he's doing. So, um, so in that sense, it's over the top. Just because, how do you where and where where do you go to find a movie star who's willing? You know, a, a movie star who's won an Oscar that's yeah. willing to com- commit so completely to a crazy cult movie like this, right? He's the one. <laughs> absolutely the one. Yeah. No, he's hilarious in leaving Las Vegas, especially that that opening bar scene. <laughs> Where's he with that girl? Totally. <laughs> Shit's so funny. Did you actually get to see uh, Color Out of Space? That recent one. You know, you I I didn't because I was I know it's I know it's like on some of the streaming networks or something now, right? Uh, yeah, it's on Shutter. It's on Shutter. Um, I was invited to a screening of it while I was in Georgia filming the movie. And uh, mm-hmm. it was like, you know, because of the nature of it, it was a late night screening, you know, like something like 12 o'clock. Oh, and wow. I had to be up at like five o'clock to be on set. And a couple of the people actually like went to it. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm already exhausted. I'm going to be completely fried if I do that. I'll catch it down the road. <laughs> so, no, yeah, I haven't I seen it, but I, I want to see it. Did you like it? Yeah, it's interesting. Definitely. <laughs> it's a very crazy movie. Yeah. So, Willy's Wonderland, everything's complete and it's just ready for release? Uh, no, but, I mean, our, we've, we've locked our cut, you know, which, you know, our, our, you guys know what, because I know you guys are directors and stuff like that. So, the cut is locked. Um, we're nice. still, because it's, you know, things have taken probably about twice as long during the COVID situation as they normally yeah. would. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're having a real hard time getting uh responses on licenses for songs that normally take 24 hours sometimes because nobody's in their offices it takes two to three weeks to get back so we're still trying to license some of the songs we want and And you need uh, a mechanical license right obviously what's that you need a mechanical license to get the rights right well you just need to you have a music supervisor and he's out there trying to like talk to the publishers that you know and the artists that uh that have the rights to the to the music like like our our score is one thing but we have a couple you know kind of well-known songs we're trying to get at uh, we're trying to get for the movie just to license the license for those particular parts 
no. we're having you know hard time getting responses back. We're starting to now, but it's just taken a lot longer than it normally does. And then our VFX shots, uh, um, because everybody's working remotely again on those, they've taken longer to get. So, so we were hoping to get out before the beginning of before the end of the year. I mean, we were really shooting for can we make you know kind of Halloween time or something like that. But at this point, mm-hmm. it looks like it's going to be. January, February, the beginning of the year. Yeah, everybody's pushing in general, so it's probably the smartest move at this point. Yeah, everything's yeah. been pushed back to next year. Like the Purge 5 was supposed to come out in July. That's pushed back to next year. What else, what else got pushed back? Halloween? Halloween what else? kills, yeah. Well, it's really a trip because, you know, the studio that, that financed the movie, you know, they've constantly called and they've said, like, well, can you, what's the update? What's the update? Can you give us the update on, on when this is, when we can deliver this when it's going to be delivered and the problem is is that i can only tell them what i'm hearing and as it goes down the line like you know uh it's just almost impossible because you just it's this is this is unprecedented so you just don't know how long it's going to take for something to come in um yeah so at this point like i said i feel totally safe that we're going to have it finished completely wrapped and finished by the end of the year uh, which means that we'll have a movie to be d- distributed and released uh, at the beginning of the year. So um, that's good because we, you know, we're finally at that last runway. But is it going to be a month from now? Or is it going to be two months from now? You know, it just depends on how fast the elements are able to come in. Mm-hmm. Well, regardless, we're looking forward to it. It's all oh, a yeah. process, but it's worth it. Yeah, you know, you just keep showing up every day and, and doing as best you can and keep moving it along and it eventually, like everything else, we'll, we'll have, a, have a movie. But but it's really fun and it's really cool. And I think, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, everybody, everybody it's, it's really funny when you're making a movie like that, that, that Killer Clowns is kind of the high watermark. Everybody is hoping to have that kind of Killer Clowns success, you know, to have that... Yeah. That, you know, Evil Dead 2, Killer Clowns type of success. So it's just kind of cool that, um, you know, to have been part of a movie like Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which is which is the movie that, you know, pretty much all the movies like Willy's Wonderland aspire to, you know, when you're making something kind of offbeat and cool and and uh, culty and stuff like that, you know, you... Uh, you uh, hope that you know you have those that kind of legs and that kind of uh fan appreciation as uh with something like killer clowns from outer space which is just awesome you know to me um killer clowns from outer space is is kind of like a a family uh you know suzanne who played who played my girlfriend in the movie and i are you know really really close and um you know we we, along with the Kyoto brothers, kind of, and, and Mike Masari, who's the composer, you know, we, we do different um, events. And, you know, we just did a, I think it was two weeks ago, we did a, a kind of a virtual screening. Of oh, all really? Online. That's sick. And, That's sweet. And uh, a year ago or so in L.A., John Masari, the composer, you know, he spent about two years organizing it. But I, I don't know if you guys heard about the live concert. The orchestra? Yeah. It was just Fucking awesome. I wanted to go I mean, so was, bad. I think I was in New York at the time, like visiting. <laughs> so I, I mean, yeah. I have to say it was one of the coolest nights ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the whole vibe was, you know, do you ever know when, the, when, you, when something is so cool and the vibe is so good that it almost looks like you're, 
you can cut the air. Like it's just, it's, it was just that surreal, Absolutely. awesome night, you know, and, uh, and, and having the movie play and having everybody love it so much and having the orchestra and the pit and the Dickies there also like, you know, playing every time that the theme song came on, playing it live and, and we had clowns and we had caricature artists and, you know, walking around and, um, it was just really cool, really fun. Hopefully we could get something like that once, you know, we come out of the pandemic. Seeing something like that would be absolutely insane. I wish Literally. they did like a mini tour of that and they went up to like San Fran. That's not a bad idea, actually. Well, yeah. you know, I think uh, I think John Masari was talking about kind of like, you know, bottling it and taking it on the road. You know what I mean? Because smart. it was so successful and it was so cool and fun. And I was like, why not? Um, make this like a, a, an ongoing live night of entertainment and and because uh, uh, it was really really awesome it was totally it sold was. out right I think so it, was, it seemed like it was totally sold out and, and uh, I mean the place was just packed which venue was that and the Montalban theater oh okay wow. where they do the, the rooftop movies yeah, yeah. Montalban um, maybe I didn't even know they did that but, it, but this was like yeah. you know yeah, very cool, very cool space. Yeah, I've been there once. It worked really well. Yeah, well, we, we were there for Fangoria Fest? What did, yeah, we went there for like yeah. a screening of this movie called The Burning that came out in the 80s. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was filmed in our hometown. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, did, the, did they show, they showed something else with that. They showed The Burning, Sleepaway Camp, and Evil Dead 2. Oh, it, was okay. a, it was a camp-related forest movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, it was actually, I have a funny story about that. So they had like some weird, weird haunted walkthrough attraction where you go in the Montauban Theater below. And uh, it was so weird. Like you go through all these like corridors and they're like able to touch you and stuff. And there was a part where I was like, I thought it was over and I went out to the sidewalk out in front and this big bouncer looking type guy came over to me and literally put me in a chokehold. And threw me back into the Montalban, but it was like literally part of the the show that they were doing, like the little haunted. You mean the guy the guy choking you and throwing you back in was part of the show? Was part was part of this like haunted attraction thing they were putting on for this triple feature, yeah, that Fangoria put on. Yeah, it was the scariest thing that's wow. ever happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> I think the most memorable experience I had there was when they screened uh, <laughs> the burning because apparently it was Harvey Weinstein's very first movie. And when his name yeah. came up on the beginning credits, everybody booed the screen like crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's from our hometown, too, sadly. Sadly. Yeah. <laughs> what is your guys' hometown? Buffalo. Buffalo, New York. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Sweet. Nice. Yeah. New Yorkers. <laughs> yep. New Yorkers. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but anyways, so like after Killer Clowns, you managed to become a producer of quite a few films on top of being an actor. So what, you, what got you into uh, producing? Um... You know, I got it was kind of a roundabout thing. Uh, you know, I was, I started writing, you know, to kind of like thinking I was going to help propel my acting career by um, kind of doing the Billy Bob Thornton, John Favreau, you know, Swingers, Sling Blade, you know, creating something. And, and uh, so I wrote that film, but unfortunately, um, the team that, the team that we had together to make the movie as opposed to like a swingers movie that everybody kind of gelled together. Um, like, like, you know, it's amazing. It's like it, the whole thing imploded before we ever even got the movie made. You know what I mean? We were attaching actors and it looked like, Oh, we're going to have our own swingers type of movie. It was a really cool, uh, thing called friendship falls. And, um, 
all of a sudden somebody in the group decided this wasn't a swingers type of movie. This was going to be a, you know, $50 million movie. And, you know, it's just like the, the crazy thing about the movie like Swingers is that the studio came in and said, let's make this a big movie. And John Favreau said, no, I don't care if I don't, you know, this movie I made for my friends to be in and we're going to make it this way. And if we don't make it this way, I'm not going to make it. Right. And he stood by it and he made this little, this little, uh, you know, crazy, no budget movie that ended up making a ton of money and launching everybody's careers. Right. Um, ours was exactly the opposite. We went about it to make this little movie. And as soon as anybody even thought there was a sense, like all of a sudden everybody started grabbing for the gold and I was standing there going, guys, guys, you're, you're, you're missing everything. And of course, it created a bunch of rifts between this team. The, the whole thing kind of came out of a play I was doing. And the director of the play had a little script and he said, uh, would you read this script? And it's like 40 pages long. I said, it's not really a script. It's an idea. And uh, so I ended up writing it into a script. And then we got some really good actors attached to play some of the parts. And it looked like the whole thing was coming together. And then all of a sudden, everybody just thought, oh, my God, we're, we have a chance to make a huge thing. And, Anyways, that's, that's how I kind of originally um, got into it and started writing. But then after that experience, I kind of wrote a few more scripts and, and, uh, and optioned a few of them. And then what happens is, like, you know, producers option a lot of scripts and they only they make a few of those movies that they option. Mm -hmm. So um, I found myself, uh, you know, as soon as a producer had had a rejection or two, they would they would lose some of their enthusiasm and I was on the telephone and I'm trying to now push some of my own scripts and I, I didn't even realize it that I, would, I was now starting to produce, right? And um, uh, now some friends of mine that saw that I was kind of on the phone and making some headway and doing some things started to drop their scripts off. Uh, to me, scripts that they had thought were really good and had been optioned and they'd gotten back and... and uh, you know, the next thing you know, you're doing something else in the business that you never really thought you would be doing, but it, it just kind of happened organically. It's, you know, and, and to be honest with you, it was a little bit of a revelation mm -hmm. to, um, you know, every actor, I think when you're an actor, you're, you're constantly trying to like hit that stardom button, you know, yeah. you're constantly trying to, to do that. And, and it's a little bit just kind of self-obsessing where you, you you feel like when something's not happening in your career, like your entire life is dead because there's nothing else that you can do. Yeah. So all of a sudden realizing that I enjoyed writing and that I, that I was able to start getting things going producing and that I didn't have to wait for somebody to kind of give me permission to do what I did mm -hmm. and then have my self-esteem be at an all-time low when they weren't giving me permission, you know what I mean? And... Mm -hmm. um, you know, that I could actually kind of create my own work uh, was, you know, kind of revolutionary. Um, Absolutely. It, it just in terms of being a human being, right? No, for sure. And so I never really, you know, uh, intentionally stopped acting. Yeah. Um, it's just that I started doing the other things and then it's very difficult, like when you're writing a script and you're producing and you've got something going on and an agent calls up and says... Hey, you want to run to an audition and it's hard to drop everything and do that for, you know, a guest star on a TV show when yeah. you, when you're really taking trying to take it seriously. 
so the acting just starts to become less and less of a priority but that's that's it just happened that way i just feel like every actor every good actor should be able to do other stuff you know whether it's writing directing just anything when you know all the different fields i feel like more opportunities present themselves in general yeah and you know well and it should be natural too right yeah, because as an actor what are you doing you're constantly you know kind of hurry up and wait <laughs> well yeah but i mean you're constantly kind of assuming the role of other things right yeah, absolutely and if you're a good actor you kind of really do you know if you're if you're going to be playing a anthropologist and you're if, if you're a serious actor you're going to kind of learn a little bit of anthropology and how that person thinks and how that person approaches it so that it's it's real um and so after a period of time you kind of you're kind of a little bit of a jack of all trades just from playing lots of parts yeah so speaking of playing lots of parts let's go back to like the beginning so how did you get into acting we know your first your first big credited role is new year's evil well it was kind of a trip you know my mom uh is an actress named terry moore and she okay. i don't know if you ever saw older movies like uh mighty joe young you know she oh. was the girl in mighty joe young and and uh, i don't think i've seen the original and, yeah she's she she the the, the charlie's Theron part the charlie's Theron played in the remake that was her oh, okay part in the original oh, and it was, i don't awesome. know if you know who ray harry ray harryhausen is um, yeah, I've heard of him. Well, in, in terms of like stop motion and, and, and creatures, he was, he's the god that everybody still looks up to. I mean, because... Yeah, uh, I know, for sure. He, he, did, he did both King Kong and Mighty Joe Young. Wow. And then, you know, they live in lots of other, you know, cool movies with bugs <laughs> going down the sidewalks and... Wait, they... All that kind he of did stuff. They Live, the John Carpenter one? Um... You know, don't quote me. I might not be, it might have been pre that. It might have been, or it might have even been, it might have even been called Live. But if you look up Ray Harryhausen, yeah. he's kind of a le he's, he's, every person that does stop motion and creatures reveres the guy as, uh, you know, kind of the Orson Welles of his, of his, of the craft. Yeah. And he knows. Um, Ray Harryhausen. And that's a thing. And uh, he does, he, he, he designed the, he did all the stop motion for, for King Kong. Oh, Clash of the um, Titans. Yeah, he did all oh, those. Yeah. yeah. All the older ones. I always had a fascination for stop motion animation. There was just something about it. You know, yeah, it's like, it's dated now, but you know what? Going back and looking at it, it's just so fun to just watch and look at it. Kind of like, even like trying to experiment with it too, you know, is fun. It's still more fun to watch stop motion than CGI, in my opinion. I oh, can't stand I, it. I agree. Unless it's absolutely well, it so, necessary. It, it was so cool when, like, wasn't it like Wes Anderson that started doing, like, oh, yeah. just breaking the mold and doing, saying, I'm, I'm going to do stop motion movies yeah. and stuff like that? Yeah, he's brilliant, too. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's, it's really such a beautiful craft, too, when you see people that are creating it and the patience and the work, you know, to, you know, create the world and then move it one tiny bit and then reshoot it and then move it one tiny bit. And reshoot it and create all of the the uh, um, expressions and everything, and you have to do it so incrementally. Uh, it's it's pretty wild. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's a real beautiful craft. And the Kyoto brothers, who who are one of the best people at stop motion animation now, mm. um, you know, that's they've been able to watch them over the years and they still do lots of commercials and other things like that in stop motion as well. So they did a lot with the South park guys too, right? 
Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, Team America. Well, of course, of course, they did all the stuff in Team America. All yeah, the yeah, yeah. Stuff hilarious. Like <laughs> Absolutely Cla- amazing. Classic. <laughs> Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, even like uh, in Killer Clowns, like the dinosaur, like when the when uh, the clown's doing the hand stuff, that was all stop motion as well, right? Pretty um, sure it was. It looked stop like it was stop motion. You know, I can't remember what we did for that effect yeah, for know. the for the uh, for the dinosaur on the wall. Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, I mean, they used a, an array of practical effects on that. Oh, 100%. You know what I mean? I mean, the only things that weren't were like the ray guns and things like that. And but um, they used we. I mean, we used all sorts of uh, what's called force perspective. You know, like when we run into the when we run into the. I don't know if you remember when we're all kind of running and we go into the uh, the kind of the creature's mouth, which is the entrance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a little creature, and we're just doing old-fashioned force perspective, just running into the, you know, running across the, the parking lot behind a little creature's mouth, just old-fashioned. I don't know if you ever goofed around with a camera and had your friend stand on a hill and put your hand underneath oh, him yeah, of and course. Have somebody take a picture and you have a little, and he looks like a yeah. little guy standing on your hand. Oh, yeah, it looks like you're picking him up. <laughs> right, exactly, pick him up. Yeah, no, we definitely Flicking his nose. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for... Um, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. It, it wasn't. Right. <laughs> so for New Year's Evil, uh, how did you get the audition for that? Oh, so, um, so along the way, like I grew up with my mom being an actress, so I was around it, but I never really did it. Yeah. And then, um, I, I think I was like, I don't know, like you know, teenager or something like that, and I was home for summer, and and uh, I was home for summer, and. Um, I was waiting tables at a restaurant in Westwood, California, and, and somebody just came up to me and said, are you an actor? Would you be in this movie? Blah, 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 blah. And, and I said, well, I'm not an actor, but uh, that would, sounds like it would be fun if, it did, if you don't care that I'm not an actor. So I started taking some acting classes, and that's how I, the movie never happened. But I started taking some acting classes thinking I was going to do this movie that kept on getting postponed and postponed. And then... Um, while I was in the acting class, I met an actor who had a friend who was making a little movie, and he said, uh, you know, hey, would you come in and audition for this movie? And so that's how that happened. It was a friend from acting class that I met, in, you know, after going to classes for the movie that didn't happen, wow. that was supposed to be my first movie. And um, uh, it was kind of a trip. I still remember that audition because... Um, you know the the part was if if you if you ever saw New Year's Evil Evil I'm I'm the I'm the the disc, you know Derek. the son with mommy <laughs> issues Derek Derek that, Sullivan uh, yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, so all there was a there was a little scene in the movie where I'm looking in the mirror and I'm just kind of saying these lines about um you know my my mom my mommy issue lines right I'm saying the issues yeah. like mommy if you did if you don't love me blah 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 exactly um and uh, so that was the audition scene, and I thought, well, how can I make this a little bit more interesting? So I just I brought in, um, you know, a lipstick, and I brought in a pair of pantyhose, you know, and they were supposed <laughs> to be into the audition. And they were, it was supposed to be the, the uh, you know, these were supposed to be articles of my mother that were symbolic. Right? You know, I'm, I'm this young actor trying to, like, be, be super creative and invest in what I'm doing. And so I literally, in the thing, I spread the lipstick like around my mouth, and then I, and then I took the, I think I took the, uh, 
the uh, pantyhose and I like then cut the pantyhose and grabbed a leg of the pantyhose and pulled it over my face and like saying the lines and then I looked right at the at the director and the producer says like now what do you think and they were they were all like this like in shock that some actor had just come in and just done all this weird shit and they said uh, you got it well they the literal words were commit him <laughs> and I said what does that mean right as I'm pulling off my perios and rubbing the friggin' stuff off my face. And they said, you got the job. Go tell the guys in the hallway to go home. <laughs> and it was just like that, right? Oh it was my just God. like that. Yep. Your mom is such a bitch in that movie. <laughs> Ross Kelly. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I love how you're telling her about your one acting part that you got, and she's just like ignoring you while she's getting ready in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that, yeah, she was great. You know, um, you know, she was uh, Fonzie's girlfriend on Happy Days at the time. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Pinky Tescadero. Yeah. What's your most uh, memorable scene you worked on in New Year's Evil? Mm. If, if it's the pantyhose one, I won't it's be surprised. It's the pantyhose <laughs> one. Well, it, it's probably the pantyhose <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> but you know what? I'll never forget... The scene where I run over to my dad, my dad's dead, and I basically take over and I like hug him. And blah, blah, blah. Um, that's probably the most memorable scene I ever have done, simply because that was the first scene of the movie that I ever shot. Literally, the my father is oh, the end? running to see my father dead. The ending oh, scene wow. was the first scene of the movie that I shot, but it was also the first movie I ever, the <laughs> first scene I ever shot as an actor, right? That's so, an awkward first scene to do. <laughs> yeah, so Damn. welcome to nonlinear shooting, right? Yeah, um, holy shit. You know, when you're shooting a movie, you do everything by uh, the organization of, in most cases, by the organization of locations. You know, you get this location first, that's what you shoot the, all the scenes there first. So obviously for me, that was the first, scene on the schedule and so uh you know welcome to shooting the actual crying death scene of <laughs> my dad the first as the first scene that i've ever that i've ever shot so i noticed your hair was lighter in that movie compared to killer clowns like did you like was your hair dyed specifically for the role yeah um my i, I was you know kind of a blonde surfer kid growing up so um uh, I had blonde hair, and when they when they cast, we ended up doing when we were auditioning for Killer Clowns. We ended up doing a whole bunch of mix and matches with everybody. And um, Suzanne was blonde. John Allen Nelson, uh, who plays Dave, was blonde, and I was blonde. So, um, you know, the the Kyotos were just <laughs> trying to like break us up and make us look different. I think. Because they, you know, we had all these different kind of people, but the ones that they ended up liking were all of the same kind of coloring. Um, so uh, Mike Tobacco was actually patterned after, written after, uh, with in mind, friends. a friend of yeah. theirs that they grew up with in, in growing up in New York. And he was a dark-haired kid, uh, actually named Mike Tobacco. And uh, so they said, why don't you dye your hair dark and they told Suzanne and what can you make your hair a little bit curly and red so because <laughs> um, she's a natural blonde and uh, if you ever saw Weird Science uh, oh, yeah. she's the really cool girl with the straight blonde hair yep. and um, 
so that's just how it happened is that we were all we were all a bunch of blonde kids that needed to kind of differentiate a little bit that's hilarious yeah. i still remember that when they they uh they put that dye on my hair the first time i mean i don't know the guy had whatever it was the chemical turned way up because I literally thought my head was burning off in fire. I never had my hair dyed before. It was like, oh, was it bad? I mean, I was like screaming bad. Like, oh. and, it, and it hurt for like two days afterwards. That's the thing. Because like, cause like, I had my hair, well, because like, my hair got uh, bright for a while and I had to get it dyed back to its natural color. And if you don't do it properly, yeah, it can, it can actually burn. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think if you put too much developer or something in the mix or something like that, but it was like, man, Jesus, things you remember. Yeah. So do you have any f- memorable moments with the late John Vernon? Red-nosed you know, freak. John was just, uh, every moment with John was memorable in my opinion. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was kind of... Uh, he was kind of everything you would expect him to be. You know, he was, he was a bit of a drinker on set. Oh, yeah, um, sure. He was, you know, the, a, bit, a bit crotchety. Um, uh, I remember he and, and he didn't really, you know, he and Dave, the guy that played, uh, John L. Nelson, didn't really hit it off that well. Because um, John was one of those guys that, uh, you know, kind of pre... Uh, determines all of his gestures and, and um, the way he's going to say lines and things like that. And John was a kind of a very actor studio organic, like don't figure it out. And uh, so it was, there was two different kind of acting schools at play there, but I was coming from a, a very similar way. So to me, like working with John Vernon was the ultimate experience, right? Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and so I got along with him just awesome. And I was just, you know, kind of in awe of the fact that I was doing scenes with, with, uh, you know, Dean Vermer, Dean Wormer and the, uh, you know, I mean, even more so than that, I, I, Josie Wales, Outlaw Josie Wales was one of my favorite movies growing up too. One so of the best Westerns of all time. Between Animal House and, and, and the Outlaw Josie Wales, it's like just, just having that voice talking to me, right? Yeah. You know, was, uh, was you're friends with the Terenzi brothers. <laughs> <laughs> you're that guy. Uh, but I just, I just really enjoyed him. I just thought that uh, he was always fantastic, always wonderful, always unpredictable about what he was going to do and how he was going to do things. And uh, um, I, like I said, I wish I could think of one individual moment, but mm. every moment was just, uh, you know, cotton candy at the circus for me <laughs> that's a perfect way to put it <laughs> so speaking of the Terenzi brothers they were actually friends uh, long prior before before this film even happened and they did shows at, like the comedy store and I think they were friends with the Kyoto brothers well I think they more so than even be friends I think they were best friends but they were also yeah. kind of a, a comedy team yeah um, they did their act together yeah um, and uh uh, we got some bad news, and I kind of don't even want to say that one of the Kyoto, one of the Terenzi brothers uh, passed away a couple, a few weeks back. Yeah. So Peter Lacasse, rest in peace. Peter Lacasse. 
Um, but they were incredibly sweet guys, and uh, yes, they were. They were. If there were ever, they were two guys that were close like brothers. They hung out together all the time. They did everything together, and they were just um, super excited and enthusiastic to be in the movie. And um, uh, yeah, they just uh, were awesome guys, truly. I mean, they still are. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, Peter's, we've lost Peter, but uh, they were both just absolutely wonderful guys. Mm-hmm. No, they're like their chemistry on screen, even as the brothers, they were just hilarious. And they were like the comic. Well, obviously, the whole movie is hilarious, but, you know, they were like the best part of the comic relief. Yeah, that. absolutely. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And then when the two, the two girls with the. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. How can we forget that? I love how the one. <laughs> The one girl on the left looks like right at the camera too. It's super funny. <laughs> remember that? Yep. You know it's so funny. My favorite line of the movie. My favorite. My favorite. There was just a small bit part actor that played the uh, the cop at the uh, you know when they when the when all at the at the, the amusement park when all of the when all of the clowns come out of the clown car. Oh, what are you gonna do with those and guys? I, <laughs> I, that's just always been my favorite line in the whole movie. That's oh, so perfect. Is, what are you going to do with those pies, boys? <laughs> and and the, the fun part about that was that was the entire cast and crew of the movie had all been given, you know, kind of like a pie plate of whipped cream. Mm-hmm. And so we were all standing there right before the camera just waiting for him to say his line, and he nailed it first time out of the box. And so that was all of us you know, throwing those. We both, we all had like two pie plates and everything, and that was just the entire cast and crew of the movie throwing all those oh, pies. Oh, wow. I don't know you guys all did that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Did the, I know you got whipped in the, in the face with pies at the end. Did that hurt? Does that hurt? <laughs> you know. It's probably not, it wasn't, right? it, wasn't, it wasn't too bad. But the funny part was is that was a reshoot, by the way. Yeah, that was, yeah. you did that in Van Nuys, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you've, you've heard about that? Yeah, it's a, yeah. We, we, I think they just uh, they wanted the um, the Terenzi brothers. They wanted everybody to, when they tested the movie. People that didn't want to live. Yeah, the, the, every, they wouldn't want our main characters to die. They just mm-hmm. they really liked everybody, and so they said they said, okay, let's shoot the movie and let's shoot this second ending where mm-hmm. um, where Dave comes back. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, that was actually a question I, I had. Like, how did you feel about having to reshoot the ending? You know, to me, it was just meant another day of shooting, which was getting together, you know, because as an actor, every the happiest days of my life were all the days I was shooting. So, um, you know, you get called up and you get to go, you know, you think it's over and now you get to go back into makeup and back uh, and shoot the scene. It was just, it was fun. Were these long, long hours on the on this set, or not really because of the low budget? Like, um, yeah, yeah, we shot we pretty much the entire movie. We shot at night. We shot sundown to sunup. Yeah, see, that's tough. How many nights yeah. total? Well, ironically, back then a low a typical low budget movie was um, about six weeks. Yeah. Um, but we're shooting on film and things are very different now. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, it's not unusual for, to shoot a movie like Killer Clowns now if it was a low-budget movie like that in three or four weeks. I mean, we shot, we shot Willy's Wonderland in 20 days. Wow. Yeah, four or five-day weeks. So 
schedules have definitely, like we were always talking about then, um, you know, because I did a, a, you know, a couple low-budget uh, low movies in the same thing, and they were all kind of six weeks. And it was always, oh, the luxury of having, of having you know, three months to shoot, which is like what a, a real studio movie really had at the time, right? Well, nowadays, as we all know, like, unless you're shooting Mission Impossible or something, nothing shoots for, for three months. I mean, yeah. you know, typical, typical you know... Um, you know, I, I produced a movie called November Man with Pierce Brosnan, which mm-hmm. is a kind of a spy movie. Mm-hmm. And um, we shot that in, I think, about 10 weeks. But that was because we were shooting in Europe, mm-hmm. in, in Serbia. And, uh, you know, everything just takes longer. And you that's what you get when you're shooting overseas there. Is you, is, it's much less expensive and you, you get a lot more time. Mm-hmm. But... Um, other than, you know, having unique situations like that... Um, schedules are just a lot more condensed than they are now yeah so this is a question i've been wanting to know was the inside of the spaceship built on a sound stage um not a sound stage just a big empty warehouse uh we, we were shooting up in santa cruz kind of the santa cruz aptos area and mm-hmm. there really wasn't any sound stages so we just found this abandoned warehouse and the kyotos went in there and uh and their team just built the entire thing, painted the whole thing, and we it was it all happened while we were up there. So we shot all of that. We shot all of the interior of the spaceship at the end, uh, probably the last two weeks. Um, and I think that was the only time that that we that we kind of switched somewhat back to normal hours, simply because being inside we were able to right. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, they, you know, we would constantly, while we were shooting, be able to go in there and see it as the walls were going up and they were painting everything and they just kind of built it all out on this big empty warehouse. Oh, I love what they did with the, uh, the circus tent. They used like, I think, sail, sailboat, uh, what do you call like it? The, tarps, yeah. The tarps, yeah. Yeah, no, that was, that was very cool how they, they talked about doing that. No, that's the thing. You, you could easily make stuff like with like, <laughs> anything really it's like yeah. it's like diy you know yeah i mean and that's their that's the whole movie was kind of like that i mean the cotton candy know, was fiberglass i think it yeah. was fiberglass something like what? that Yeah, kind of like some sort of like kind of blown fiberglass but you know with the yeah. pink coating on it and uh but those walls were were almost like almost like cardboard or balsa wood or something like that the walls of the thing were only Oh wow! You know, so so thin, and and yeah. uh, you know, they didn't really have to be anything other than something to be able to paint the the world into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we we were actually just in uh, Watsonville a couple weeks ago, just checking out the locations. We were on a big road trip back from like Utah, Oregon. We were all over the place, and uh, that Goodwill that's in the opening is actually still there, which I thought was kind of interesting. Really? Yeah, yeah, it's like in the same spot. Yeah, you haven't yeah. been back to Watsonville since. Probably not, right? I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, the, I, the, the, there was a condo that I stayed in in Aptos. Okay. And uh, um, it was like right, you know, I started staying at the hotel and I realized I'm not going to be staying up all night. I'm not going to get any sleep because you can hear every single person at this mo- local <laughs> motel in Aptos. Yeah. So Suzanne and I found this condo uh, just right down the hill, like, which was, was super cool. It was like right on the cliff over the beach. And we both got a condo down there, which was like cheaper than the little one-room hotel. 
And, uh, but I heard that when the, I forget when the, 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 those huge earthquakes were, you know, 20 years, 20 something years ago, mm-hmm. um, that they all, <laughs> they all kind of came down and landed in the ocean. Um, so I'm glad it didn't happen while I was there, but, uh, I, you know, I don't think I've ever been back to Santa Cruz since then in Watsonville in that area. I've been to, you know, San Francisco and yeah. Napa and lots of other places, but, uh, it's kind of a small place. It's really, it's yeah. really tiny. Yeah, yeah. We checked out the Kazibo, uh, Goodwill. What else did we check out? The uh, oh, the burger joint. Uh, yeah, the burger joint's like some other restaurant now, but I think that was shut no, down. Yeah, it was like a closed down uh, taco, like a, a closed down Mexican restaurant. It was just like abandoned. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow, cool. that's a trip. Yeah, and the- it's just like an abandoned taco restaurant. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be fun. I think next time that I, you know, if we drive up to San Francisco or something like that, I'm going to say let's go, let's go take a little excursion through Watsonville and check it out again. It'd be kind of cool. Yeah, there you go. Well. <laughs> It'd be cool if they did like a whole like Killer Clowns weekend or something up there. That'd be cool. You know, did like location tours or something. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. There's not. I mean, there's not a million locations you can really go to. I guess, but. Yeah, I don't know. Much, but, uh. And a lot of the things were, you know, like the the actual physical, yeah. um, the actual physical um, fairgrounds and everything were the was was in Santa Cruz, and um, I mean we shot everything in that, you know, in like a ten mile radius up there. Mm-hmm. But you know, there was the forest, there was Watsonville, there was the you know mm-hmm. the, the cliffs at the ocean, like where the car goes over the the side, you know, when the Clowns on the motorcycle beside him. Yeah, I heard that was that was a major problem. Apparently, that was supposed to be like a way more dramatic uh, crash, right? Like it was supposed to like flip yeah. over. Yeah, and it got caught. Yeah, and it just kind of went. Poof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of funny the way it falls, though. It kind of makes it even funnier. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was it was definitely like you know a lack of Viagra fall, right? Just. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah. Please tell me you kept that amazing sweater from the movie. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Uh, I know the amazing sweater and the the glued on skinny jeans, <laughs> the high top tennis shoes. Right. The whole the whole outfit was pretty was pretty epic. Our yeah. buddy Sean actually has one of the masks, and I think some of the gloved hands from the movie. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Oh sweet. Yeah. Are you in Are you in possession of any of the props? I am not. Probably the closest thing that I have to a uh, prop is. <laughs> my. Kill the clowns, though. Oh, the action figure. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Those are rare, I think. I think those go um, for a lot. Yeah, well, and they, they only made a, a certain number of them and they sold out, so they became kind of. Yeah. Collector's editions pretty quickly. Yeah, I think those go for a couple um, hundred bucks. But uh, I think I've got some sketches and things like that that, you know, put away somewhere that uh, Charlie has done for me mm-hmm. um, and given to me over the years. Um, but uh, I've never actually asked them to, to give me any of the, of the props for the movie, but they've got a ton. You know, it's kind of cool. I saw that somebody sent me some advertisements from some costume places the killer clowns is finally starting to get the you know the 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 widespread halloween costume treatment have you guys seen any of that stuff yeah i mean i think yeah. trick-or-treat studios was doing some of that 
Um, yeah, Trigger Treat Studios, I'm, I'm sure you've probably heard of them. They do like these, they like make all kinds of masks that are like just based on like, you know, the most adored movies uh, in the horror genre. Like they, A lot of replicas. Oh yeah, replicas of like the Myers mask, even like bands, like including like Iron Maiden, Alice Cooper wow. and all that stuff. Like they just make masks based on pretty much horror and then rock bands and all that. But yeah, you I, know, uh, you know, um, one of the, the we, we've had some rock bands and different people that are like huge Killer Clowns fans. But uh, what I thought was really cool is um, uh, Peter Chris got in touch with me oh, a wow. few years back. That's awesome. And uh, oh, and so he and his wife Gigi, I kind of stay in touch with from time to time. Wow. And. Um, and he said that uh, that's been their their band's favorite movie forever. And it goes they've every concert they've ever and every concert tour they've ever gone on they've always taken it's part of their routine. They've always taken their Killer Clowns uh, oh, wow. DVD with them, and they always they watch <laughs> yeah. it on every tour. Are you a Kiss fan? Yeah, who's not a Kiss, yeah. Kiss fan? <laughs> yeah, we Probably. are. Yeah, we are. Especially me, like. Well, we, we saw him once, I think. 2010, uh, what was what was the tour? Sonic Boom Tour, 2010. Yeah, like 10 years ago. Yeah, and then we've seen Ace Freely like so many times. I mean, me, I'm, just a, I'm a diehard fan of Ace. Yeah, he's I'll, I'll just throw that out there. Yeah, wow, awesome. Yeah, they're yeah. awesome. How could you not like, not like his? Oh, yeah. they're incredible. Just like, even like the stage shows. I mean, even... You what, about his, what about his, his uh, side show, the Gene Simmons Family Jewels? Oh, the, the reality show. <laughs> he was a total dick in that, wasn't he? Sometimes, but you know what? I think I wouldn't be surprised if some of that was an act at times. I mean, I'm sure it was. It's like a reality TV show. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I, I'm sure you guys have read a lot of the stuff about Gene Simmons. You know, he's definitely been more of the, uh, you know, the if there was one that was a little bit more different, you know, the, the Svengali like. And oh yeah, hundred percent. But uh, Peter is like just the most chilled guy. Oh yeah, I believe ever. It. Yeah. You should. It's, I'm gonna have to find the clip, but there's a clip of this comedian Bert Kreischer. I don't know if you've heard of him. He talks about the time when he met Gene Simmons and how mean he was to him, and it's like the funniest, the funniest <laughs> interview ever. He's talking about this whole experience. He was pretty bad. <laughs> and that's the thing about Gene, you know, because like stories. Because I've never, I will, I've never met Gene, at least not yet. But like, I always hear like one story where oh he was cool and cool and then another story where he's just like oh he was an asshole i'm like yeah it's like you never I've met know him, i've met him a few times but only in very like at a party yeah. like very social circumstances you know where he was just very friendly and nice but i never had i've never had kind of a one-on-one yeah one-on-one off the record you know kind of interchange with him so that'd be intimidating yeah, honestly yeah. And, you know, I mean, people have different experiences and, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe they said something to him that he didn't like. You never know. You never know the whole yeah. story behind it. But yeah. So yeah, did, you never know. Did, uh, did Killer Clowns have a rap party? God, let me think. I always ask our guests this because like they, <laughs> they never can remember. It's so funny. I'm trying to think, did we have a rap party? I must have to ask Susanna the Kyoto's about that. <laughs> Like you must have had some kind of celebration, right? I would, I would assume we did. Yeah. Right? Well, for a movie like that, I feel like you'd have to have a rap party on that. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. If we didn't, then that 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 uh, concert we did. Well, I'll look at that as the rap party. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was better than any rap party I've ever been to before. What was, was the awesome. uh, What was the premiere like? Um, the premiere was. was I. Re- <laughs> 
the premiere, well, actually, you know, what I remember more than the premiere was going down to USC to their theater there for the uh, Academy of Science Fiction and Horror. Yeah. And they had like a big screening that I kind of really remember being more like our premiere. See, the, the trip about the movie was that, you know, it wasn't a big movie when it came out. I mean, it was released in some theaters because everything was at the time. So I remember going to opening night, uh, driving out to Hollywood to, I think, like the Egyptian theater or wherever it was where it was playing. Wow. Favorite theater. Um, but, you know, the trip about Killer Clowns was that it was, it was not a big movie when it came out, right? No, I mean, it, no. it definitely built up its following yeah. over the years. I mean, I had this other movie that I had, that I had made uh, that became kind of like a TNA cult movie called Hard Bodies, if you guys ever oh, yeah, saw where, that. Where you have your disgusting refrigerator in there. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> and, 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 but Hard Bodies was much bigger when it came out. And, and, uh, um, but then, you know, Hard Bodies and the whole 80s TNA thing, you know, kind of just like slowly faded away. And then Killer Clowns kind of just came and just lapped it. Because yeah. Killer Clowns is much more famous. I mean, oh, that's your every one. year that goes by, it's more popular than it was the year before. I mean, it just it doesn't seem like it ever loses any mm-hmm. any steam, which is kind of cool. How long did that take, you think, until it got like cult status, like at least 10 or 15, 20 years? I think so. Yeah. So it started to really kind of build build that cult status. Yeah. 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 Did you have any clue that the film would develop such a huge following and a cult status over the years? You know, I... I kind of felt like, um, I, you know, when I, it kind of felt like that kind of movie when I first read it. Yeah. Um, you know, the funny thing was, is I had been offered some sort of kind of, you know, back then in the, in the 80s, there, were, there was a lot of those kind of low-budget action films going, and I'd just been offered one that was shooting in like apartheid South Africa, mm-hmm. where they were shooting a lot of movies then because it was really cheap. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to go to South Africa because of the whole apartheid thing. And so I had two uh, movies to choose from. It was either that one, and if, which, was, which I was getting a lot of pressure because my friend, my family friend was directing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And I thought, you know, this movie's just trippy. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, it's, it's so off the wall. I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay in California. I'm going to do, you know, my friend's going to be pissed off at me and he never did quite forgive me. Yeah. And I'm going to make this crazy movie. But, but, um, Suzanne, on the other hand, said that like her agents and everybody around her all told her, you've got to be in this movie because this is going to be a huge cult movie. So she always tells that story that she like, she knew that's why she did it is because she knew it was going to be a big cult movie. Wow. Yeah. But I don't know how you can actually really predict something like that. I mean, you know, like something that doesn't happen for 10 years. Um, you know, like I said, a lot of people would like to, be, you know, I, when you make any sort of a trippy movie, you know that it has the possibility, but then very few movies actually do become cult movies. So, yeah, I know. I know it was originally just called Killer Clowns and then they added from outer space because they thought it wouldn't sell as well. That's what, well really? They, well, they said uh, from what I read. They said that they didn't want audiences to think that it was going to be a slasher movie. They oh, want, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what, I think that's what, based on what I read. Yeah. Right, because really, really, it's, it's, it's a total throwback to kind of, you know, 1950s aliens from outer space, you know, you know, classic 
sci-fi B movies is is what the whole Killer Clowns is a throwback to much more than than uh, and it, it's not really a horror movie. We call we call the we always joking. We call the kills candy coated kills. <laughs> was there was there actually anybody on set that was actually afraid of clowns? Because I know a lot of people that have that fear. Oh yeah. What do they call it? There's a there's a name for it, right? Clownophobia. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. Uh, there's like a yeah. It's just like there's definitely a phobia name. There for is, it. there is. I just don't understand. You know, I, I, that's one fear that I try to comprehend with. It's just like what is what is so scary about clowns? I I don't get it. Call cholerophobia. What is that? What it says? C O U L. I think it's col cholerophobia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean because it's it's literally has its own name because that phobia is so popular and um, yeah, yeah. but. I mean, I've never had it myself. No, me neither. And, um, you know, to me, clowns were the goofy things you saw, like, you know, circuses and rodeos, right? I mean, yeah. So, but obviously it's a big thing, and I, I hear it all the time. And um, from people that they have that, that just total, just freak out fear of clowns. Yeah. Just calm down. There's got to be a logical explanation for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the only the only clown that bothers me, honestly, is Tim Curry's Pennywise. You know what? But I, I, was like, I, I can't do that. Anybody in a sewer? Come on. Actually, you know, <laughs> now that I think of it, you know, I was never afraid of clowns as a kid, but there was something about Tim Curry's Pennywise that scared the shit about it scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. I don't know what it was, but then the he year, can be whatever he wants. He's walking around as a spider well, yeah, at one point, you know, that's well, yeah, crazy. shapeshifter practically. Yeah. yeah. You're screwed. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't necessarily the clown aspect that it was scary. It was just the fact that his whole character was so friggin' weird and scary. Right. Oh, yeah. absolutely. You know, it was just like the way he put, he bring the way that Tim Carey, no, Tim Curry, oh, Tim Curry. Damn it. <laughs> Sorry. The way that Tim Curry brought that character to life was just amazing, you know. I mean, I mean, uh, Bill, uh, Bill, Bill Skarsgård from uh, the remake, he did a great job bringing the character to life. But you know, I, the thing about Tim Curry's was it was its own. Tim kind. Curry is is a rare and unique talent, man. I mean, it's amazing. I love Absolutely. Tim Curry. I feel so uh, bad for him and his his condition right now. It's just yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I can never get enough of watching his his uh devil and legend yeah yeah it was funny because when i first got introduced to uh the it the original it for the longest time i never knew that was tim curry and i whenever i what? heard about tim well whenever i heard of tim curry i always thought of uh the hotel yeah, not the ho- be much of a man by the light of day <laughs> i'm one hell of a lover <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his of course Tim Curry's most classic, you know, thing ever is that, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah but my first introduction to him was Home Alone Two, like where he's the the hotel manager. <laughs> oh, that's right. And then Clue. And then Clue. <laughs> oh yeah, Clue. Clue. Clue's fantastic. Yeah. Did you ever get to see Rocky Horror with an audience? No, I would love to, but I've seen it, yeah. you know, a dozen times, but oh, yeah. never with an audience. Yeah, I haven't either. And the funny thing is, is the, the in L.A., I lived right down the street from the one, and I would always think I was going to go to it. I never did because it was Monica. always there. Wait, you had the new art right there on, yeah. on I used to live right by there, actually. We always, well, I used to live in Westwood at one point, too. Yeah, we me both too. <laughs> me too. I lived right yeah. on Camden Avenue, which is at a half a block south of uh, Santa Monica, which is just, literally, I could walk there in three minutes. I lived on uh, Ohio. 
And I lived Absolutely. on ba- and I lived yeah. on Barry. <laughs> <laughs> right there. That was, <laughs> it was like yeah. right all in that area. <laughs> yeah. So for yeah. years and years, there's been talks of a sequel. And now I'm seeing this thing on IMDb that says there's this new return or return of the killer clowns from outer space in 3D. And it's got you listed as a screenplay writer. Is this correct? Uh, yes, that is correct. Now we've 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 been close to it going a few times. So like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I actually worked uh, over a course of a few years to get a, with the with the Kyotos mm-hmm. um, to get a draft of to get a, a treatment of a screenplay that everybody could kind of somewhat sign off on. Um, it's difficult when you've got um, a bunch of people all in the same room that have to agree. Yeah, that's um, tough. And the, the Kyotos are funny because um, they, they barely agree on anything. You know what I mean? They're, they're like absolutely hilarious. Like they, they, they started making movies together in their backyard when they were little kids. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure they were arguing, pulling each other's hair out then. Yeah. And they're still just as close, but arguing and pulling their hair out now. <laughs> so... So, um, so we spent a long time just, you know, getting something that, uh, everybody would agree on. And then, um, everybody, everybody just kind of nominated me to be the one to write the script. So, and then Charlie did a bunch of great artwork for it. So we have a fantastic script and we have, uh, some fant- terrific artwork and we've, we've been close to having, uh, the funding and the green light a few times and I'm still, I'm still, uh, Crossing my fingers and I hope so. Hoping that it's time is going to going to come. Well, listen. Once it happens, we'll be in line, ready to see it on the big screen. We need uh, we need more lines like this in the movie. Yes, she's got two. She's got two beautiful roommates <laughs> with big boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Are we allowed to say that stuff anymore? Who knows? Everybody's everybody's so soft nowadays. Probably not. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. It's like it's like this is the Me Too movement going to stretch into uh, uh, <laughs> the world of Killer Clowns too, right? Yeah, I know that. There's I no way that movie can happen now. No, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, you know, regardless, you know, it's held up, you know, all these years, and you know, and I obviously fans want a sequel. I mean, we want, we definitely want. Yeah, one. I mean, just last year, Universal had a haunted attraction. Did you get to go to that? I did. I did. I had, it was really fun. I went with, I went with the, uh, Suzanne couldn't come down that weekend, but, uh, I went with the Kyoto's and, and, uh, it was just a blast. It was really cool. Really fun. Yeah. I'm bummed. I missed that. Yeah. Were were the sets pretty cool that they made for him? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing was done so well. It was really cool. Did it feel like you were back on set for the movie again? Uh, that's gotta be tough. You know, yeah. it was it was more like this kind of like surreal okay. homecoming in a way, right? Not like back on yeah. set because you're going through a thing, but you know, you're just blown away at the level of detail that they put into everything. It was just it was really well done, really really cool. All right, I got a speed round for you. What's your favorite movie? <laughs> uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy, maybe. Wow. Okay. Uh, favorite actor. Um, favorite actor, Marlon Brando. Nice. Good one. Uh, if you could bring one person back, no longer living, back to life, who would it be? Oh, God. Um, one person. First thing that comes to your mind. 
I don't know. Maybe by an old friend of mine that just committed suicide not too long ago. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, that was pretty, pretty disturbing. No, that um, was horrible. No. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Um, but you're talking about a famous person, so uh, anybody, literally anybody, that anyone. one totally counts. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Brandon Lee, maybe, I don't know, somebody like oh, that, somebody I that's loved, so tragic, that died away so too young, you know? I could go on and on about Brandon Lee, you know, even his other movies aside from The Crow, like Rapid Fire, Showdown in Little Tokyo, I, it's just, there was just something about his performance I liked, not just as an actor, but even a martial artist, too. Did you get to I see would, the, uh, the, the, what's the thing on, Cursed, Cursed Films, Cursed it's films. on Shudder also, yeah. they did a whole segment on The Crow and the tragedy that happened on that. Really? No, I don't know if I did see that. Yeah, it's called go. Cursed Films. It's I'll pretty, check it out. It's pretty deep, you know, and I, I, I have a couple of friends where I just met people that, you know, either met or knew Brandon back then, and, you know, they just said he was a very, you can just tell he had some personal demons, and, you know, it's just, it makes it even more sad, you know, he didn't never even got a chance to see the height of his success grow with The Crow. Yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't really uh, ever know him, but I was really, I was very good friends with several people, you know, Lou Diamond Phillips and a few other people that were kind of part of his group. And they, they actually um, wrote a script that they sent me um, to think about producing. And it wasn't really, I mean, I didn't really know how to get it produced because it was really more just about the friendship, their friendship of a bunch of actors back in Hollywood of, with, the, with Brandon, you know, mm-hmm. who ends up, getting the crow and having the tragic thing, but it was, it's less about Brandon than it was about, you know, all the friends. But, uh, uh, you know, I was just such a, a mad fan of his dad growing up. I mean, you know, oh, Enter the Dragon was you oh know, right up there with my favorite movies Perfection. of all time. And uh, um, so, you know, I, I just thought he was kind of amazing and I was just so looking forward to seeing, you know, I loved The Crow and I was so looking forward to seeing what he was going to do with his life and his career and I had friends that were friends of his, we were all part of that same world and and um, so I'm sure this, I can think of other tragedies like that that were, um, that were equally impactful but it was a huge one for sure. Favorite horror movie? Yeah. You're gonna probably have to say Killer Clowns. <laughs> no, well, I don't really consider Killer Clowns necessarily a horror movie. I consider it it's more comedy. like a, a, a comedy sci-fi horror kind of a hybrid. Yeah. I, if I had to pick my pure favorite horror movie, I would probably pick maybe like The Shining. Oh yes. hell yeah! Yes. I can't believe Stephen King hates that movie. What? It, yes, it bothers me. You're kidding me. Did you know that? No. Yeah. How, it's could, how could you hate that movie? It's like just one of. I mean. <laughs> it's just like one of the most awesome movies ever made. I know, yeah, because I, I guess it's not close enough to his vision in the book. I don't know. I didn't even read the book. But. Well, they did like a, it was like a, a miniseries, like a two-episode miniseries, kind of like a remake in the late 90s. And he liked that, I think. Yeah, and uh, it was with uh, Rebecca De Mornay as, uh, what's, what's her name's uh, a character? Yeah. I've never seen the TV one. I saw it many years ago. You know, it was not bad, but I don't know what it is. I think I just liked the original movie more. Yeah, the original's a classic. Uh, Favorite food? Guacamole. Perfect. (laughs) Favorite band? Rolling Stones. Nice. There you go. Uh, If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Flight. 
<laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, okay, let's see here. Killer Clowns from Outer Space is flooded with fair food from popcorn to cotton candy. What's your personal favorite fair food? Maybe like uh Like just anything you can get at like a fair. <laughs> caramel corn. Caramel corn. Ooh, that's good. All right. Now, what are your plans going forward once COVID ends? Um, well, probably get out of the house and travel a little bit more. You guys seem like you've been cruising yeah. around a little bit, but, you know, like I said, I told you, like my wife has been, you know, um, pretty much on the more paranoid side of things. So we haven't really gone, yeah. <laughs> barely left the house. Uh, yeah. So, you know, traveling, getting back on a movie set and actually making a movie, uh, which I miss tremendously. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, just, you know, just going to see movies and movie theaters, just, just all normal life stuff that it's, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like an endless, an endless day at home. And I love days at home. Right. But yeah. Because we're, like I said, we're really, you know, a tight family that likes to do everything together. Mm. We spend a lot of time anyways, but you know what I mean? It's almost like being yeah. on a space mission now or something like that, right? You can't leave the spaceship. I was actually able to go to the movie theater just last night for the first time in like six months. Wow. They just opened up in Orange County yesterday. Oh, dude, that's so awesome. Well, I've got a movie that, uh, that I'm actually an, an executive producer of that we're kind of taking a big chance. And it's a family movie called uh, War with Grandpa. Oh, the one with uh, De Niro. With De Niro, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. No, I'm looking forward to that. So we're coming out at theaters on the uh, the ninth of October. So knock on wood. Um, I'll be there. That looks the fun. Theaters will be open. That's really fun. It's got that whole. It's you can't not enjoy it. I mean, it's just like one of those like bring the whole like load up the car and like it's got you know it's it's like Home Alone ish and fun yeah. and and uh, you know you know the whole premise of it, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like the kid, so there's a kid. Yeah, I remember. I saw the trailer. Yeah, De Niro's lost, is a grandpa, and he's lost his wife, and he's kind of, you know, a little, he's, he's going through a bad situ- situation, and he, you know, he, he goes into the supermarket and gets in a fight with like, the clerk at the supermarket, and so Irma Thurman, his mom, says, Dad, you're not going to be alone. You're going to have to, you know, I know you had a tough time, but you've got to come be with family. So she moves him into her house, but into her son's room, um, who's the kid from Pete the Dragon? Pete the Dragon, and he, yeah. he gets he gets you know thrown up into the upstairs leaky basement, um, you know bug infested <laughs> leaky basement, out of his room, and so <laughs> and so he basically declares a secret war on Grandpa, <laughs> and so imagine like you know instead of like Home Alone being like the kid doing it all against a bunch of bad guys, all the pranks. Now yeah, it's. Yeah. Now it's De Niro and all of his buddies, which is Christopher Walken and Cheech Marin, and um, <laughs> with with the kid and all his buddies, like out pranking each other and trying to do it under the radar of the rest of the family, and it's just, yeah, it's just fun. My friend Morgan knows Cheech's kids. Apparently, she told me that. Oh, I was sweet! Like, I was he's like, he's one oh, of the nicest guys. I know. I heard he's super cool. Yeah, one of my buddies was on the Cheech and Chong show back in the '80s when they had like their own talk show. Uh, my buddy, like, he was, like, a musician, and he did, like, some B-movies back in the 80s, and he did, like, a thing where he bent a steel bar on the show, and then he just wrapped it around Cheech. It was the greatest thing. Oh, that's ever. awesome. But, yeah. That, yeah, one of the highlights of my life, um, when I was, I don't know, in my, like, mid-20s was, I was at a c- celebrity ski event, and, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm riding up 
I'm, I'm riding up the, uh, the chairlift with Cheech. And I don't what? Even, <laughs> Come on. Yeah, and I, and I uh, see if I can find a, find a picture from right afterwards. But I don't even, I, I don't even know what to say because I was such a big fan, right? Wow. And um, uh, yeah, so I'm riding up the chairlift with Cheech. And um, he says, he totally breaks the ice, you know, and he, he reaches into his pocket, he pulls like a dupe this big, and he says, you want to smoke? Oh, and so no. I got to like ride up the chairlift, like smoking a doobie with, with Cheech Marin, who was like my childhood, <laughs> one of my childhood heroes, you know what I mean? Oh my God. Let me see if I can find this picture. Do you still ski sometimes? I do. I love skiing. Oh, here it is. Oh. Here it Ooh, is. I, I snowboard. Ready? Let's see this. Get out. Wow. That's that, awesome. That's actually like, you know, right after we skied down the hill. Oh, he's, my... he's kind of tiny. Yeah, yeah. And Cheech is a little dude. Yeah. He's no, I, I didn't dude. realize he was that small, though. That's crazy. Yeah. And I'm, you know, like just under 5'11". So, you know. Keith was only up to my shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he was awesome, and he and I've I've hung with him a couple times over the years since, and he's just always like the most laid back, cool dude. I really did, like him. Did you meet Chong too? No, I've never met Chong. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, he's awesome, but um, I just never kind of crossed paths or something. I think he's got like, doesn't he have like a huge CBD business or something? I yeah, think Tom, so. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure. Tom I always get advertisers up on my computer or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if they were like anti-weed in real life. Uh, yeah. That'd be uh, kind of weird. It'd be very, I'd prob- I'm sure a lot of, I'm sure that the following of Cheech and Chong would be very disappointed if that was the case. <laughs> oh, man. How could you do that? I mean, up in smoke? Yeah, exactly. Oh, classic. <laughs> That's the best one. Right? You know, that was one of my buddies who passed away uh, some years back. Um, was a guy named Otto Felix, and mm. and he was the cop that pulls them over and up in smoke. Okay, that's and he, him. And he sniffs the he sniffs the the uh, <laughs> the burning the burning car that was just made out of pot, and he's like, like, what, can we can we help you with something? And he's like, can I have a bite of your hot dog? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that's funny. I like I love in next movie where he where they go right into the the what like the person's backyard or the front yard yeah with yeah. the the van and then uh Pee Wee Herman's the uh the bellboy of the hotel yeah. <laughs> oh my god I mean they don't make movies like that anymore those are just so fun and classic right we got to bring it back that's what we got to do they do I mean like yeah. somebody's got to do it no know? doubt right we need For to bring sure. back better movie posters too I can't stand these new movie posters they're terrible. Oh yeah, I mean, I would, I would go to see a Cheech if Cheech and Chong re- re-team for a movie. I would go to see it for sure. 100%. Oh, hands down, instantly. I'm kind of surprised that's not like in talks right now, is it? Like, it must be. I don't it's know. Like, now I mean, now I mean, is the perfect time. I mean, I would see that a hundred times before Bill and Ted's you know comes back. I want to see oh. Cheech and Chong come back, right? I actually, I just saw, I just saw the new Bill and Ted. I was not happy with it. Really? Really? Yeah. I yeah. I mean, it, it like starts off and you're like, eh, that's funny. But yeah. Speaking of Cheech and Chong, remember that rumor that we looked up where they almost did a movie of Cheech and Chong meets Jason Voorhees? Oh, God. <laughs> what? <laughs> they actually talked about that. Oh, wait. Didn't, wait, Tom talked about that? I think Tommy McLaughlin yeah, we told had us about that. I think he was our first guest. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's crazy. 
She yeah. charmed me, Jason Voorhees. Like, I was a comedy that's, horror that's movie. Like, what is this coming to? <laughs> Oh uh, so will we ever get to see you on the convention circuit again, signing autographs? Yeah, well, I, I was booked to like two or three of them this year, which is more than I've like ever done before. And uh, but they yeah. called and asked me to do a few good ones, but obviously they're all they're all kind of put on hold for the time being, right? It, like you know, whenever yeah. we whenever the convention circuits happen again, there's um, one there's one happening next month in Vegas, Days of the Dead. And they're, they're still on, and they did one like a couple months ago in Indianapolis, and they're the only one that were able to successfully do one during this uh, coronavirus. And, I mean, and they, but, you know, they, like now they could be kind of considered to be like super spreader events or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless you figure out a way to do them like outside or something like that, but they're, you know, they're usually in, like you said, yeah. like a convention center or a hotel, and you're in packed places, and everybody's in yeah. everybody else's face, and... Um, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if they have limited capacity and a cutoff yeah. point. You know, because mm-hmm. I, I mean, because we still got our tickets for uh, Vegas. I mean, yeah. But I think like those. I mean, I think some people got their money back, and some people kept it just in case it goes back on again. But yeah, but yeah. Sure, I hope like, so, man. I hope to be doing some again. Um, like I said, it's 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 like when I get to go hang out with my, you know, the, the most fun ones are like the reunions when yeah. oh, when yeah. the Kyotos are there and Suzanne and I are there and we have some of the stunt guys that are there and we all kind of we all can kind of hang out and party at night and catch up and um, you know those are really really fun. Yeah. No. Yeah, I would love to do one of those. Yeah, we'd like to see a reunion event of killer clowns. We would be there in a heartbeat. Like next one that we see that's in the area. Yeah. I, I love it. I can't, I can't wait. I was looking forward to it this year and now it's just been these kind of virtual things that we've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, it just isn't the same after a while. You gotta be oh, virtual around stuff. real yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather just not do the virtual stuff. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. No, it's just virtual has just been getting so, you know, what's a word. What would, what would the word be like? Crazy burnout. No, it's crazy. Burnout? I don't, not not that. It's just like you're getting tired of it. You know, it's just it's it's much. You know, there's much more sentimental value to like having that in person experience. You know, it's like trying to watch a concert on a YouTube video. It's so much better in person. You know. Oh, totally. And and by the way, like I'm a very I'm a people person. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're approachable. And I'm a and I you know I'm like I'm like you know, definitely more on the, like the touchy feely side of people, you know, I give people hugs and, and, uh, you know what I mean? I like to talk to people and shake hands and, you know what I mean? I, I'm just a very communicable human being. So, yeah. um, virtual doesn't, you know what I mean? It doesn't appeal. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's, it's better than not talking to people at all. Like I, it's be, like, I thought I was just going to be, when you said podcast, I thought I was just going to be talking to you guys on like yeah. vocally. So like, it's like much cooler to be talking to you guys and see you on, yeah. and see you than it is to not, but it wouldn't yeah. be nearly as cool as if we were sitting there and actually interacting. 100%. Right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. We've only had one get, well, yeah, we had one person come. We had one person come for one of our episodes here, which was the makeup artist, Louis Lazara. He did like a lot of movies over the years and he was like, he was Arnold Schwarzenegger's makeup artist for some years. Dwayne Johnson. Wow. And he did like some of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Yeah. And all that. Sweet. But yeah. No, like, a, but like this show has been like, a, been you're the up. first you're the first one we've had. Like, a, what, a when, when was Lewis? Uh, was that, that back was in May. May? That was like May. Yeah. So we did a couple like with a couple friends, but 
the last like cool guest was like May. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. And we're glad we we're glad we got to have you for this. But you know, it was well, all. Thanks for asking me, guys. I appreciate yeah, it. For yeah, for sure. Thank yeah. you so much. Well, well you got to thank Kellen because he's, sure. he's the master. He's the master. <laughs> he's the mastermind behind this whole thing. Yeah, literally, right when <laughs> when the virus started, I went to Guitar Center and financed all this equipment. <laughs> we just drove there, and like he just said, "Yeah, I'm buying all this." I'm like, "You're not kidding, are you?" <laughs> I'm like, "All right, I get 24 months to pay it off, and now now with the government giving us all this money, it's, it's already paid off pretty much." That's awesome. That's <laughs> yeah. so awesome. I mean, why not? You know, I've why always not? wanted to do it. Yeah. Well, you a, know, even in even if you're quarantined or you know you stuck you know at home do something you know right you know like plan something because in the very least you could come out of this pandemic with a fucking bang i can't sit still. oh yeah no for no no kidding i mean i never stop you know i mean yeah for me when i'm not on a movie set or something like that i'm i'm sitting at my desk working all day anyway so exactly um, so it hasn't really stopped me from you know unfortunately it hasn't it stopped me if anything i've been working as much or more but um absolutely but uh, yeah, it's be really cool when we kind of finally come out of this thing. Oh, I agree. I, oh. I look forward to it. Hopefully, we'll be able to see you. Yeah, in I hope person so too, man. <laughs> at I look some point. To it. Yeah. yeah. So, will you sure. guys send me a link or something like that to? Uh, oh, of course. That's Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's gonna be on Spotify, and I'll I'll get it up on YouTube or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. All the Sweet. streaming primary, you know, podcast streaming services. But yeah. uh, but listen. It was fun having you, and you know, uh, don't be a stranger as well. Keep in touch with us. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. You guys, you guys, you guys got all my contact stuff. So reach out, Facebook, email, phone, anything you want. Uh, I'm always around. Absolutely. So really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. You guys have it. a good one. You too. Take care. Be safe. Be safe. Okay. You too.